Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Hello and welcome to Gather Around the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com in association with Manscaped. Today we'll be having a closer look at certain aspects of the squad, focusing mainly on the midfield, as well as dipping into a bit of transfer talk and of course having a look at the new kit. I'm Andy and today I'm joined by Craig and Dan. Yeah, here we are. It's pre-season is upon us. Um, England is all gone and forgotten. Uh, I don't know even what penalties are. So the good news is Aston Villa are back. The lads are in pre-season training. I'm ready to go. You can find me at Craig Storrod on Twitter. And I am super, super excited for the new season. Uh, hi, everyone. It's Daniel Bettridge here. Um, I've just about got over the fact that football came home, had a look around and then decided to bugger off again. And I was feeling much better about life until I just logged on to this and saw Craig in his vest again, which is uh, set my pulse racing, ready to talk about Villa for the next hour. <laughs> Absolutely. Fully, fully manscaped as well, apparently. So, uh, but we'll get on to that later. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna look ahead to the new season and and how Villa might might line up, um, and the area which seems to cause probably the majority of the discussion really is the midfield. You know whether Dean Smith decides to go with a, his favoured four three three or a slightly more pragmatic four two three one, which which we saw probably most often last season, or even a formation based on a back three. There are certainly places up for grabs in the in the engine room at Villa. Um, first of all, you know we'll take a look at, at that number six position, um, the defensive midfielder, or the pivot, whichever you like to call it. Um, Douglas Lewis seemingly had this uh, position nailed down after a phenomenal spell um, during restart, which, believe it or not, is only a year ago, and. Um, Sort of the first half of the season up until Christmas, I thought he was he he was excellent. However, a, a dip in form has, has seen him struggle a little bit, and uh, you know with Smith opting, you know at times to drop McGinn a little bit deeper to help him out. And by the end of the season, of course, marvellous Nakamba had taken his place essentially at the um, at the at the base of the midfield. Um, it seems uh, Dougie and Marvellous will fight it out now um, for a start. And there may even be an addition in that in that position, but how do you see this this kind of number six position shaping up? Well, it's an interesting battle for sure. I think if we're going to speak practically, um, Douglas Louise is going to miss really the whole of preseason now, as he will be away uh, with the Brazilian Olympic squad in the next few weeks. Um, after also obviously playing the, uh, the the Copa America or the Copa America, depending on your flavour for Brazil. Um, so as it stands, marvelous Nakamba is our only 
defensive midfielder unless we're counting uh, uh, young Reiki as well. So um, he is in possession of this, the uh, shirt, uh, Marvellous Nakamba, that is also played in the last two uh, victories against Tottenham and Chelsea at the end of the season and played well. And um, the Birmingham Males, Ashley Priest actually said something about this, uh, that Knight Nakamba was going to be trusted with a lot more minutes apparently this season. And Nakamba is an interesting one. I don't know how you gents feel about it, but I think he's the true the best true defensive midfielder at the club. I think his ability to break down play, sniff out danger, intercept loose balls is is kind of amongst the best in the league. However, there is a caveat. It's a rather cavernous caveat. Uh, Nakamba is pretty wasteful in possession for the most part. He can't really carry the ball forward or play any kind of progressive passes. And he's also can be vulnerable to, to the press. So he does have some, some quite important limitations. Uh, as we discussed on this very podcast uh, a few weeks ago in the transfer special, I had my eye on a certain Mr. Gwenduzi from Arsenal, but he's gone to uh, Leicester. I also like the look of Samari. Uh, sorry, Gwenduzi's gone to, to Marseille. Samari has gone to Leicester and Basuma is still available, but you would think with uh, Brighton selling uh, Ben White for 50 million, they don't necessarily need to to sell him. So it seems like we're going to be with with Marvelous and Douglas Ruiz, and with Douglas Ruiz just not there, um, it looks like it's 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 going to have to be Marvelous. I would have thought There's, there doesn't seem to be any alternative. I think it's a really interesting point, Craig, and I think it, it's a good question as well, Andy. If I'm going to butter you both up, I think. The six role defines both of those formations, and I think we'll see the see both of those formations from Dean this year. And I think each player is better suited to each formation. As Craig pointed out, I think Marvelous is a fantastic defensive midfielder. He's he's a pure sit in front of the defense, do the dirty work, short simple passes, and that's fine in a four one two three or a four three three, whatever you call it, because all he has to do is sit there and defend, and he's got two guys in front of him who's who's tasked with with getting the ball further up the pitch. The problem is in the 4-2-3-1, it's a double pivot for a reason. You, you both, both of those defensive midfielders need to be good on the ball. They need to be able to progress it forwards. And that's where Louise is perfect because he's got a, such a good range of passing on him. He's press resistant and he can also defend a little bit. But as Craig said, when you put Marvellous in there, you lose a lot of that passing and you become vulnerable to the press. So... It's going to be really interesting. I think if uh, if Dougie isn't fit to start the season or isn't up to speed, I think we'll be starting in a four three three because I think we can't play can't play marvelous in the four two three one as well. And I actually think our transfer business is going to tell us a lot about what we're going to do this season. I think if we we go by I don't know Romeo from Southampton who's been linked to us, then we're looking at the four three three. If we go by a, a Will Hughes or a James Ward Prowse, then we're looking at the four two three one. But I think what's interesting is we talk a lot about Grealish, we'll talk a lot about Buendia, but it's it's that six role that's going to define how we play a lot this season. Yeah, and if you look if you look back at Dean Smith's um, certainly his previous job at, at Brentford, he did like his his six or his pivot to to be more of a more of a like I would I would call say a pivot rather than a defensive midfielder rather than a, a shield. Um, I would kind of define Nakamba as more of a shield, and maybe if you're playing a game where you maybe are going to be. You know more, more, more sort of, um, or you you want to protect against the transition a little bit more. Then the camber's probably the way to go. Whereas <clears throat> clearly, if you're going to have a lot of the ball, and and this is the way Dean Smith likes to play, then you want a ball player more like Douglas Louise, 
sitting there. And that's why I think he was so successful in the first part of last season because, you know, we were getting on the ball more. We were trying to keep possession and he was more... I mean, look, he's he's got a, a lot of ability defensively as well, Douglas. I, I, you know, I'm, I hear a lot of people say he's more of an eight or or even, you know, more of an attacking player. I know he came on as a 10, didn't he, against Spurs at the end of last season. But, you know, I like him as a six and I like him as the as the as at the base of a, a midfield. But clearly, there are times where maybe he's, if his game is slightly off or his defensive his position is slightly off, um, that's where we we struggle, and he needs an extra an extra man alongside him. Um, I was wondering whether I, I mean I throw another name into the the transfer um, side of things, and that's Sander Burge, who I thought we were we were we were linked with, but whether. I don't know what, what, what the situation is with him. Um, clearly, you know, you'd think that they'd, he'd be looking to move on or move back to the Premier League. But what, how I, I, I probably don't know an awful, awful lot or enough about him to know which side of things he would fit in better with. Um, I don't know if you guys... You know. I see him more as a more progressive player. I mean, he can play defensively, but I think for, for Sheffield United, he was more progressive, kind of more in that box-to-box mould, as it were. I think... I think your point about Dougie is good. I like him as a single pivot too, but I don't think we can overlook the fact that some of Villa's worst games in the first season we came up was when he was playing that pivot and we'd get overrun and and we'd just have people running at our back line. And of course, a lot has changed since then, but I think it's no surprise that we tightened up when we gave him a little bit of extra protection. And, And I love him as much as anyone else, but I do think he's better suited to play slightly further forwards. I mean, the dream would be if we could get some kind of experimental lab going and combine Marvellous with Dougie Louise, then we've got a wonderful defensive midfielder who can do everything for us, but, but I'm not stick, even sure. Uh, can we stick Trezeguet and Algarzi in that same machine? Oh yeah, let's just create a <laughs> Frankenstein's monster of our best squad players, but I, I think that's the problem Villa have got at the moment. In the absence of world-class defensive midfielders, it's it's back to the old phrase that I love trotting out on here, horses for courses, and I think Me. that's what we'll see this year from, from both of those sixes. Well, I think uh, the, the, you, you both make excellent points about Douglas Louise. I think the, you know you you maybe you 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 guys might have been a little bit generous there. I think Douglas Louise's form has been wildly mad. It's been really inconsistent. I think in uh, if we go back to Project Restart, Douglas Louise was our best player. He was better than Grealish. He was better than than Mings. He was better than Konza. He was the number one player in the whole team. And then he carried on that form into the start of last season, but then he fell off a cliff, you know, and I've stuck my neck out for Dougie on this very podcast. And I've said, he'll go on to play for a Bayern or a Juve or or Madrid later on in his career, because I think he can be that good. Um, But I also said on this very podcast that I think that Douglas just kind of um, checked out toward the end of last season. I I speculated as to why that might be Um, on the podcast. I said, maybe Dougie knew Man City were triggering his release clause and he was going to be leaving. So his head wasn't in the game. And I also speculated as turned out to be true he found out that Man City were not (laughs) triggering his release clause and he was having a sulk or a crisis of confidence. But whatever reason, Dougie, we probably can all agree, was poor toward the end of the season, culminating him ending up on the bench and marvellous in the team. So Douglas Louise, we're going to talk about who has uh, important seasons ahead. Uh, Douglas Louise now, he's moving into his mid-20s. 
He now has two years of Premier League football under his belt. If he wants to establish himself as a first choice for Brazil rather than a squad player, he's going to have to establish himself in the Villa team. And we need to see that lockdown Douglas Louise rather than the Douglas Louise we had probably, um, you know, from March onwards uh, uh, earlier this year. It's a good point as well in that, like, the sorry, Andy, the age question is a really yes. good point. Like, because Dougie's still young, and, and if you think of the very best defensive midfielders that you've ever watched, tends to be a kind of position that gets better with age. You think of Makaleli came to it late in his career. Even Xavi Alonso played his best games late in his career. And I think you need a bit more experience there to kind of really know the game inside and out. And it's a position that suits an older player. And I think that's that's maybe what we're seeing there with, with Doggy is just that it's what happens when you're a young player. You go through peaks and troughs in your development. And maybe that's the side effect of Villa's transfer policy is we're signing young players. We're going to have these times in certain positions where players drift in and out a little bit. I, t- I would certainly agree with that. I do think if we're looking at the uh, Dean Smith side, I always think back to the the Brentford side that he he managed. I remember them coming to Villa Park when Steve Bruce was was in charge of Villa, and they absolutely wiped the floor with this. It was only it was a nil nil draw, um, but so much of that went through um, the guy oh, I've forgotten his name Woods Wood uh, who who played who played as the pivot that day, and obviously Sawyer's, and these guys were just picking up so much space, and I don't think you know Wood had to make a tackle all game but he was just always there in the right place and I mean there were a lot there was a lot of talk of, of Villa signing him at one point um, because he was just so impressive when he played against us but um, I would I, I mean I'd, I'd love to think that we could get a, Dean Smith could get the, the side playing in, in that type of way that type of style obviously better than Brentford but with Douglas Louise at the, at the base of the midfield, just just orchestrating everything and just c- continually linking everything well, up. If you, I just think he'd be so good. If we look back to the, the playoff final, yeah. you know, um, Glenn, Glenn Whelan was available, and and um, but he didn't. Uh, Dean Smith didn't play Glenn Whelan, even though they'd alternate. He played Conor Harahan, and Conor Harahan, for all of his strengths, I don't think I've ever seen him complete a tackle in the years he's been in uh, Alastair Villa shirt or win a header or certainly not win a 50-50. That's not a criticism. That's just not his game. And for him to be your most deep-lying midfielder tells you how attacking, you know, Dean Smith wants to be. And, um, you know, I think... I think he would like to see a ball player there. And I think Douglas Louise has the tools to be that number six. But for right now, I think it's it's got to be marvellous. And I think the good thing about Marvellous is, I think when Marvellous was in the team for those last two or three games, I actually think it's good news for John McGinn because I think John McGinn is uh, given license to roam a little bit by John McGinn. I mean, for anyone who watched the Euros and saw Paul Pogba um, turn into to prime Andrea Perlo, just floating balls around left, right and centre, you know, the reason for that is Kante. Kante gives him that protection. Now, I'm not likening Kante... <laughs> And John Mc- to Marvellous or John McGinn to Paul Pogba. But certainly I think John McGinn can be more of a force for us when he's got that protection of Marvellous behind him. I'm glad you said that because we all know that Paul Pogba isn't fit to lace John McGinn. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let's, just, uh, let's just step back off that for a, for a, for a minute. But going on to the, um, you know, I don't think we decided anything there. <laughs> 
Um, of course, you know, you're absolutely right. Um, Nakamba will probably start the season simply because Dougie won't be there. But um, sort of going forward, I think they both offer something quite different. But um, like we say, horses for courses. And and, and maybe <clears throat> what Nakamba offers you is the ability to, 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 to shore things up if, if, if Dougie is having a an off period let's say and um yeah i think it's 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 good it's not a bad kind of little duo to have there a bit like hurahan and Whelan in that last last season um in the championship um which is becoming a more of a distant memory <laughs> as we go on but i mean moving forward um you know there there are there are sort of more options um in in other positions in the midfield with McGinn, probably the obvious starter for Smith um, at the moment, at least. Um, but also, of course, we've got Morgan Sanson, Connor Horahan, um, and Jacob Ramsey all still in the mix for places. And of course, Carney Chukwameka, who is increasingly um, going to become part of that that debate as well and that discussion going forward. And of course, we've got we've got Jack Grealish, who you know in, when we were in the Championship and when we were. In those first few months in the Premier League, he was playing as an eight in a in a midfield three, um, you know. But what what would be your favourite favoured kind of midfield setup, um, you know? And with with the current options that we have available, and and do we require sort of new faces to make that system work? I think we require new faces to make the system work better. Um, but given that there isn't a ton of speculation, I mean, you know, we it's all gone quiet and we know Villa do their business quietly. So there could be things bubbling away in the background, but we haven't heard anything of Basuma. We haven't heard anything of Sanderberg. We haven't heard of any of these players um, uh, being linked with Villa. The only players that we seem to be linked with are the likes of uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, Dwight McNeil. I've seen something about uh, uh, Hudson Odoi today, which would be interesting. I don't know how true that is. Um, but we we haven't been linked, as far as I know, with any kind of defensive midfielder. So I think we have to assume for now we're, that, that we're going to go with what we have. So John McGinn being the, the, the kind of first name on Dean Smith's team sheet, as we know, you know, John McGinn always plays for, for Dean Smith. And I have been very vocal on this very podcast that my unhappiness with John McGinn's past completion stats... <laughs> But I also tweeted, uh, uh, obviously, Dean Smith is a, a listener of uh, the, uh, the the Gather Around the Lamp podcast. So <laughs> don't worry, Dino, I've got lots more where that came from. Uh, the Birmingham, I, think he uses the, I think he uses the code. He does use the code. Lamp to get 20% off on uh, and free delivery for your uh, Manscaped selections. Uh, Dino looks like a manscaper. He's a, he's, he's, he's a, he's a sophisticated man from Great Bar, you know, Great Bar lad done well. Anyway, um, so I did see in the Birmingham Mail that um, McGinn is being, and I also tweeted all about it just to show how clever I am, that um, <laughs> Ashley Priest at the Mail has said that McGinn is being coached specifically on keeping the ball better this season. And I do think the meatball man can step it up once again and make those improvements. So obviously McGinn is in. I do prefer the 4 2 3 one over the 4-3-3 so I would have McGinn sitting next to Marvellous um, when we're out of possession but then he's given the license to kind of roam forward when Villa do have the ball and what I'd like to see more from McGinn is him arriving late kind of Frank Lampard style at the edge of the box to, to, to use that long range shooting and get a few more goals so those two would be the starters for me uh, when we line up against Watford particularly considering as we already discussed Douglas Louise isn't going to be available 
But then, Andy, you're talking about Jack Grealish and we're talking about Morgan Sansom and the players ahead of, ahead of those two. I mean, it's beginning to look a little bit ridiculous um, for those three slots if we're playing a 4-2-3-1. Um, you've got Grealish, Traore, uh, our beautiful baby boy, Anwar El Ghazi, new signing, Brendia, Ramsey, Sanson, Ashley Young even can slot in as part of that front three, Chukwamenka, Filajim Bades, and of course, Dan's hero uh, when he's back fit, Trezeguet. All those lads are jockeying for just three creative spots, you'd, you'd imagine, behind Ollie Watkins. So there's definitely reasons to be excited, but it seems that we have really a, a wealth of options. And I think competition for places is going to be really good and ro rotation options are going to help Villa push on. There were certainly way too many games last season where, you know, Douglas Louise being case in point where players are playing, they're just bang out of form. Uh, and and hopefully with the strength and depth we have, that doesn't need to happen moving forward. Yeah, I think strength and depth is important. And we've got an embarrassment of riches in midfield and attack in midfield. Um, I think the 4-2-3, I love watching us in the 4-2-3-1. It's direct, it's vertical, it's all, all the, the fun things we like as football fans. And I think it will be a weapon in our, our arsenal this year. But I think we should also be conscious that teams are going to defend deeper against us this year than they did last year. They're going to be tighter against us. And I think we need to adjust to that. So so I adopt for the 4-3-3. I think it, it's a lot better formation for keeping hold of the ball. It naturally retains the ball better than a 4-2-3-1. And I think it also makes the best use out of our two best players, which is Jack Grealish and Emi Buendia. I mean, if you think of the 4-3-3, four, the four, it's, it's defined by the absence of a rolling attack in midfield. And to get super tactical nerdy on you, there's kind of two ways you can handle that. You can you can go to Guardiola Messi route and have a false nine who drops in and wide players who then attack the box. Or you can go to Mourinho Drogba route and you have someone who makes that zone bigger and then creative players running into it. And I think in Ollie Watkins, we've got the perfect player to make that zone bigger. He's the kind of striker who's always on the move. He can occupy central defenders with his physicality. And if you imagine him pushing on, creating room for Jack, Buendia and McGinn back in his promotion winning season attacking role, all running into that space that is vacated, I think that's incredibly exciting. Um, and I think the other nice thing about that 4-3-3, as I say, is you naturally hold on the ball onto the ball a little bit better. And I think we're going to see a lot more of the ball this year. It'll be a lot less of the the rapid counter-attacks that characterise the 7-2 the against Liverpool, for example, and a lot more of the patient possession that we kind of expected to get from Dino and, and that he tried to do when we first came up. Um, as for new faces, I, I don't think we need anyone for the 4 3 3. I think we've, as you say, with Sanson and Ramsey and everyone else, we've got the players there. If we are going to go 4 2 3 1, I still don't see Wendy as the 10, so I think we'd be going out and signing another player. But um, as I say, it'll be interesting. I think the signings are going to tell us a lot about how Dino expects to play this year. But, but I'm really excited about the idea of seeing us in a 4 3 3. Yeah, I, I would tend to lean towards the four three three just because I think it allows allows you to get more attacking players up the pitch quicker. Um, and all, I mean, it, it might be a pipe dream, but I've always had this idea that eventually, once we've got the, the quality around, the quality in the squad, that that Jack Grealish would slot back into the eight position. Um, or certainly on on one side with the, with the two eights, um, two eights and a six. That for me is the dream. If you can ha if you can afford to have him um, in that 
slightly deeper position and then have your three attacking players ahead of him, I think you've you've cracked it really. Um and I think I think what that I, I just I just feel that allows because because for me Jack Grealish um, needs to start running games from the midfield. He's he's very dangerous on the left hand side, and you see people obviously lo- like watching him there because he is very dangerous and attacking, and he creates an awful lot of chances. Um, but I still think he could do that from the eight position. But you're not really losing a massive amount of goals because he doesn't score an awful lot of goals. So I'd, if you could. Just have him in that position, almost, almost as a free roll, but obviously out of possession where he can, he he, he obviously need to get involved. Um, I don't know if this is just pie in the sky, though. I don't know if I'm, if I'm just dreaming here, but I I just think that's his best position, and I'd love to see him, you know, back in that in in that area of the field. I don't see him going back there. I, I kind of, I love, same as you, I love the season he played there for us. I just think it's too open. And we saw that at the start of our Premier League adventure. It's far too open at this level. And I mean, you've got to be Man City level to have players in that kind of role. The other thing I'd say is I'm not sure we've got the fullbacks for that either. I mean, if you're playing that kind of 4-3-3, three, three, there's a lot of responsibility put on both fullbacks to create width. And I think if you've got Jack in the middle, a wide player, and two fullbacks bombing on, we're going to be wide open at the back. It's it's almost Keegan Newcastle era, but I'd love to see it. I'd absolutely love to see it. But it's Bring it it, it's almost a little <laughs> bit too open. And I think we saw that, you know, in those early days when we first came back to the Premier League, we were going at teams and getting found out pretty quickly and but I'm the same with you Andy I'm, I'm a romanticist I want to see us go all out attack and then Philippe Albert at the back just trying to keep things shut <laughs> yeah I mean um, I, I, I am interested as well I don't know what what, what you think about this Craig um, as well in, in in what we might see from Morgan Sanson this this year Um we saw precious little at the end of last season when after he came in. Yeah, I think. Uh, but I don't know what you what you think. Well, I think Sanson is 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 a kind of a caliber of, of player, and I've spoken before about um, a friend of mine who's is a Marseille fan, and um, and, and the discussions we had about Jordan Amavi and his uh, resistance uh, <laughs> with regards to defending, shall we say? But anyway, uh, we also had some conversations about Sanson, obviously, who came from Marseille, and I think you know Christian Perzo, Dean Smith were quite open and said, look, Sanson was a summer target. We bought him in January because they were basically giving him away. He was £25 million and we got him for 14 or whatever it was because Marseille were up the creek without a paddle financially. So I think um, I'm giving Sanson an absolute free pass um, for for January, obviously settling in, new league, new country, uh, uh, new language. So, you know, he gets a complete free pass from me. But I think he was signed to be a starter in this team. I think he was signed to be a number eight. I think he was signed to be a dogged, hardworking midfielder who can pop up with a goal, can pop up with an assist, and also who gives that added protection. We talked about control and the control that we didn't have or still have struggled to have in the Premier League in the midfield. I think Sanson is a player who helps bring that control, but who can also play both ways. So I think that he needs to, first of all, put his injury problems behind him. I know he's had some 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 nicks and some knocks. Obviously, availability is the first kind of requisite of, of any footballer. You know, how many talented players have we seen over the over the years that 
that turned out to be a waste of time, really, um, because they couldn't stay fit. You know, we've had a number of them at Aston Villa. And, um, you know, and, it, it, and I don't say that to be vindictive or, or mean-spirited. We know that players don't get injured on purpose, but, you know, the likes of, um, you know, the Jack Wilshers or Daniel Sturridge, I mean, what a player he was. Um, you know, players like that who just can't stay fit for, for love nor money. And it really curtails their career and their impact. So I hope that Sanson isn't another story like that. The first thing he needs to do is get himself fit. But I see him being a starter in this midfield and I see him competing directly with the meatball man, uh, John McGinn. And um, I look forward to seeing that competition. But I think I think Sanson might be a bit of a dark horse. I think everyone's kind of sleeping on him. And I think he might be quite a an important cog moving forward. And what what about what about Connor? What about you know? Is there any hope for Mister Hurahan? There is hope. Uh, he has interest from West Brom. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, there's no hope. There's a band so, hope. This, this oh, let's not do that to him. Speaking of tweets that I that I posted yesterday, I I uh, I, I jumped on a Greg Evans piece from the Athletic saying that uh, West Brom want uh, Harahan and um, that nine championship teams are, are interested in Keenan Davis. And I put two and two together and came up with a wonderful four. Uh, number four more beautiful than D- Danny Drinkwater, gentlemen. It was a um, <laughs> just a, a little idea that, uh, hey, if, if, if West Brom want Conor Harahan, I think Conor Harahan is surplus to requirements at Aston Villa. I don't think he's good enough to play for a top eight Premier League team as much as I love him. So I think he's, you know, and the fact that he's already told us by going out on loan to Swansea last season that he doesn't want to be a bit part player he wants to play uh, that kind of I think is that for Connor although I would keep him around just as an impact sub because I think that his dead ball delivery in the last five minutes if he needed a goal is is worth its weight in gold but um, if we could move on Harahan and let's say he let's say he's his transfer value was four or five million if we can give West Brom Keenan Davis for a year uh, let's say the loan fee is two million. I don't know. I'm pulling numbers out of the sky, and then we we give them ten million or twelve billion. Maybe they'll give us that lovely number ten Brazilian number ten uh, Matheus Pereira. And uh, while I'm over in Cloud Cuckoo Land, um, I just think I just think it, it would make all the sense in the world for all parties. But on a serious note, I think um, Conor Harahan is one of our. Um, one of our restorers of the the light force, if you if you want some uh, some obscure references there, like he has been a warrior of the light for Aston Villa, top pro, really serious, really earnest, really genuine guy, absolutely came up trumps for us in the big moments, particularly with that big goal against West Brom, ironically in the in the uh, playoff uh, semi finals, always gives his all, um, and. Unfortunately, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast. There are players that aren't going to be able, players that we love, players that haven't done anything wrong, that aren't going to make the journey with us. And I think that um, Connor is, the time has come for him him to probably say goodbye, um, you know, for his career. Uh, Although I would like to keep him, I think that, um, I think sadly for Connor, his, his time at Aston Villa is over. I'd agree. I think 
it's when not if now for Connor, sadly. But I'm the same as you, Craig. He is one of the characters that transformed our dressing room, transformed our club, and he's been a phenomenal servant for us. Like his numbers were crazy for a guy who doesn't have the legs, particularly at this level. His numbers have been great for us. I just don't think there's a space for him, even as a squad player anymore. And I don't think he's the kind of player who wants to be a squad player. He wants to be starting games no matter what level it's at, and that's testament to him. So I think his days are numbered. Um, it wouldn't surprise me actually if Ramsey goes out on loan too and, and we're emptying out those numbers in midfield. Um, but yeah, I mean, Connor, hats off to him. I think he's he's bordering on cult figure status when he leaves as one of those players that wasn't around for long but really left his mark on the club. And, and I'd hate to think where we'd be without him. What was he, a million quid or something? Absolute bargain. I mean, fair play to Bruce on that one. He picked up the odd midfielder for cheap who turned out to be a legend. Yeah, it was. He's certainly been a been a wonderful signing, um, and a, and a, and a real, you know, <clears throat> top professional, and and really successful at Villa. You know, he, I think he'll look he'll look back on his time at Villa. What has he scored? Something like twenty six, twenty seven goals for for Villa, which for a player who's gone a bit in and out and has occupied all these positions that we're talking about in the midfield. We talked about he, he played number six. He's played obviously as an eight. He's played as a ten. You know he's moved around an awful lot in that midfield, and he's been a, a sub, and he's still come out with sort of twenty six, twenty seven goals. I think that's a phenomenal return, really. Um, you know, and we have talked an awful lot about his his um, his numbers and that, and they they are right up there. Um, but yeah, I think I tend to agree, and it's like with a heavy heart. But he's 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 forever emblazoned on the back of my. Um, Luke Roper away <laughs> shirt, um, which uh, which is you know such a nice kit, and I'm really pleased I've got his his name on the back of it because he's he's been one of my favourite players at Villa. I absolutely absolutely love him, and if he does go, obviously we wish him well. And if he goes to the Championship, um, so long as it's not Birmingham City, I'll be wanting them to get promoted. So um, so that's you know, but um, but on that, I mean, you know, again. Superbly turned out, gentlemen. Um, Connor Hurahan, I think you'll agree, Craig. Not and, and an Dan, ounce think. of body fat on that man. I can only imagine the lengths that he goes to to keep his entire presentation in such tip top form. And with that, let's have a little talk about Manscaped. I don't know if you know, Craig, but it's been absolutely sweltering in the UK in the last few days. We're absolutely melting over here. Um, and I don't know if you can help. I don't know if you've got anything, any advice. I've got all the advice in the world. And it starts with the Manscaped Performance Package 3.0. Head to toe, this is the ultimate male hygiene bundle. The Performance Package 3.0 comes with the Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker, and formulations to round out your grooming routine and bring your boys your boys are your balls, by the way. Bring them back to life and in the game for all 90 minutes, even when you're super hot. We were talking about Conor Harahan, supreme athlete, supreme professional, not an ounce of body fat on the man. He's from Cork. I've had a night or two on the tiles in Cork in my day. Great party town, great crack, as it were. And speaking of cracks, I want you to make sure that your crack is smooth and ready for some summer loving. If that's your thing, 
by using the Manscaped Ceramic Blade Lawnmower 3.0 to make sure that all of that unsightly bushy hair that can collect all kinds of nasties, all kinds of sweats, all kinds of other particles in that area, you can get rid of it all and you can smell fresh as Anwar, Anwar El Ghazi on a warm summer's morning. Can you imagine Anwar? He's having his breakfast. He's got the orange juice. He's having a couple of melons. He's got some granola. He's reading the paper. He's wearing some glasses. Imagine how good he smells. You can smell just as good this summer by keeping cool with Manscaped. And we have a special code for you. Gather Around the Lamp podcast listeners, which is 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with our code LAMP. That's L-A-M-P at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use our promo code LAMP. Hit the target and shore up your D. You can guess what that stands for. This summer with manscaped.com. Right, that's great. Great. Thanks thanks for that. And um yeah, look look out for look out for those uh, manscaped products, particularly in this blinding heat that we're having in the UK and the US apparently um at the moment. So so much um this season, of course, will depend on whether Jack Grealish um remains with the club. Um and of course where Dean Smith does decide to utilise him. We've talked a little bit about that. And with the arrival of, of Emi Buendia, it may allow Jack to take up different roles, maybe deeper, but certainly um, perhaps more centrally. Um, with several outlets now starting to, to backpedal a little bit and, um, and report that uh, the Grealish to City stories, or is it now he's reconsidering his uh, his move to Man City? Um an announcement on a new deal hopefully could be just around the corner, um, which would be a, a huge boost. Um, but where do you see him kind of being being most effective this season, given the, the, the business we've done up to this point? It's an interesting one. I kind of got two responses to this. The, the devil on my shoulder looks at the way Buendia plays and says that he's a tailor-made replacement for Jack. He he dribbles like Jack. He cuts inside from the wing like Jack. He finds a pass. He presses. He's press-resistant. But if we hold on to both of them, I think it's exciting times for Villa. I think too often last year, you stop Jack, you stop Villa. And because we didn't have anyone else to kind of take the weight off of him, teams could double up on him, sometimes triple up on him, we saw. And it, it led to either Jack getting marked out of a game and, and us becoming stodgy in transition or him dropping deeper and deeper into places where you don't want Jack Grealish being. Picking the ball up from Mings, for example, in his own half. I mean, he goes there because he's looking for the ball. He's hungry for it. But we were really at our best when Jack played higher last year. I'm thinking, I always go back to it, but the Liverpool game's a good example. He played high up. He was almost beyond Ollie Watkins at times. And that's because we had players around him that could take the weight off him. My boy Trezeguet being one of them, he, he was happy to drop deeper and do the dirty work. Now throw in Buendia and you've got teams going double up on Jack, then Buendia's free on the other flank. They double up on Buendia, Jack's free on the other flank. And I think Buendia will do that role happily of coming deep to get the ball, moving it up centrally, moving it up wide. And that gives Jack a chance to get higher up the pitch. And honestly, it excites me. I think we could see a record year for Jack in terms of goals and assists this year. I really think Buendia will unlock him and push him further forwards. And I think we're going to see 
I mean, it depends how we do, but I think we're going to see him maybe double this year's tallies. I think he it's really the key to get him in and around the opposition's box where we want him to be most of the time. And if you take your eye off one of them, then the other one's there to punish you. And I would not want to be an opposition manager trying to work out how to stop him next season. I think that's exactly right. I think that, um, you know, we're talking about unlocking Jack Grealish. I think there's uh, there's there's lots of uh, women and probably men over in Ibiza now trying to do that very same thing as he's on his summer holidays. But um, in terms of unlocking him on the football pitch, there is something to be said for Ross Barkley and um, the much maligned Ross Barkley. But uh, you referenced the Liverpool game there, Dan. Let's not forget forget the interplay and and the connectivity and the, uh, the 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 bromance almost between Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish before Jack uh, before Ross Barkley got hurt and obviously we, we all know the rest of the story but there was some moments there where Ross Barkley was doing that job that we're going to hope that Buendia does he was taking the focus away from Jack because you had to worry about Russ, Ross Barkley because hey Ross Barkley when he's when he's at his best by the way he is an excellent excellent football player let's not make no bones about it you know don't be surprised to see Ross Barkley have another two or three months when he ends up with Bruce here at Newcastle, uh, where he's absolutely flying before he inevitably comes back down to earth because he has he has talent in spades, uh, does Ross Barkley. But the thing with Buendia is, and also you reference your mate Trezeguet, Dan, Buendia is Trezeguet, but with a end product. With talent. Yes. <laughs> He works just as hard as Trezeguet. His pressing numbers are phenomenal. He's probably not quite as fit or as as athletic as Trezeguet, but he's going to offer the same kind of uh, intense pressing on the right hand side. Uh, for if you haven't seen, um, uh, have a look at the uh, the stats. Emi Buendia's pressing numbers are insane. By the way, he works so hard off the ball, and also, yeah, he he needs to be watched. He has an end product, but. Lots of speculation again about Jack Grealish's future. So this is the moment of the show where I say the same thing every week. We should just copy and paste it at this point. I haven't changed my opinion and I've blocked out all the noise. I'll say it again. Jack Grealish stays for one more year. But if we fail to qualify for Europe, Jack Grealish will leave and Jack Grealish should leave. I say that every week and I haven't changed one inch. Um, Jack's best position. Mm, I'm torn. I'm torn, I'm torn. Andy makes a good case for Jack being a number eight in the Kevin Keegan style uh, <laughs> attack at all costs formation. Um, we know he, he does magic on the left. We know he does magic in, in, in the middle. Um, I think, given the personnel, that this is, my, this, is, this is my idea. I think I'd like to see Jack Grealish wide left. I think I would like to see Buendia wide right. And I think... I think I would like to see my man Bertrand Traore given a run at number 10. I've told anyone that will listen to me that Bertrand Traore is not a right winger and I would let him play through the middle. And I think that with uh, Buendia, Grealish and Traore, all of them are unpredictable. All of them are going to be fluid and they're going to pop up in different various pockets of space. And how the hell do you deal with that if you're a defender? Traore can do... Traore doesn't know what he's going to do. He's got he's, he's got a bit of the Fastino Espria about him while we're talking about Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. He's got a bit of that. You just don't know what he's going to do. Grealish is incredibly talented. Buendia is incredibly talented. So unfortunately, my man El Ghazi... I'm sorry, Anwar. A moment of reverence for Anwar. Al Ghazi did just score 10 Premier League goals. And although he probably deserves to keep his shirt and start against Watford, given that incredible goal return, I think he won't. I think that it could be Buendia, it could be Jack, and it could be Bertrand Traore. But I would also 
we'll throw in a curveball. What happens if Ashley Young has been signed as the left winger and Jack is at number 10 and Brendier's on the right? I wouldn't mind seeing that either. And the added bonus of Ashley Young is he brings with him the elite set piece delivery that we are going to lose with the aforementioned Connor Harahan. But there's lots of exciting options moving forward for Aston Villa. I'd kind of agree. The only thing I, I, I know everyone's clamoring for Jack to be at 10. I know Jack himself would want to be at 10. I just don't think he has the press in to be a modern 10. And I think he's also too easy to mark out the game there. Is this where you tell me about Mason Mount? Oh, God, no, I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> but I, I, I would, the same with Traore. I'm not sure Traore presses enough for me to be a 10 in, in a Dean Smith side either. And it wouldn't surprise me actually if Wendia plays that role for us. I think he's got similarities to, to Barkley in the way he can carry the ball from deep and the way he can thread a pass and, and the way he presses. Um, I'm not sure also much as I'd love to see Ashley Young, Ashley Young back out on the left. I don't think he's got the legs anymore to do that for us. He's, but his set-piece delivery will be crucial. Boom. And I think Boom. I think having him at fullback <laughs> in the easy games is going to cr- give us another dimension. But yeah, I, I, I think we're more likely to see Buendia at 10 than, than either Traore or Jack, unfortunately. Much as Craig will be upset by that. And I think El Garzi's well, back on the bench where he belongs, <laughs> sadly. Hey, hey. Let's kick it off. This is right, outrageous. We've, we've all had a drink. Let's, uh... Outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that, um, Dan, you're very brave to throw that gauntlet down to someone like Ashley Young because if he, if by some miracle he actually heard that little uh, soundbite, um, he would be doing everything in his power to... Uh... Oh, he's going to destroy me in a beep <laughs> test, let's be honest. Like, there's no way in hell after I've said that. But it, it's more the pace than... The, and even that, I mean, I'm I'm kind of like running in treacle when I run, so I can't exactly talk. But I think he's just not got the pace to be be that modern wide player that, that you need. But, I mean, I saw the photos of him in training. I mean, he looks good for his age. I mean, if I look that good even half that good kind of now I'd, I'd consider myself a pin-up model so god knows how he looks that good after after the career he's had so yeah fair play to him he is, he's he fit is indeed and um you know I, I wouldn't i wouldn't back against him him certainly covering um areas further forward i did have a look today and he is he is listed as a defender on the villa website so um you know we'll we'll see but i think he's just one of those where you know, we weren't necessarily going to talk about Young today, but I think he's the more the closer we get to see to the start of the season, the more excited I feel about him playing for Villa because it is like the collision of two eras, isn't it? It's you know, and I would just love to see him playing with 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 Grealish. I just think it would be special for you know. I think it, for for a lot of fans, for particularly young fans. Who, who perhaps the O'Neill era was their introduction to um, to football and supporting Aston Villa. I think I think they will they would love to see Ashley Young, you know, playing playing with Grealish. And um, to be fair, I would as well. But you have to be pragmatic as well. And you know, it, it all comes down to whether he's 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 kind of whether he has got the got the legs to do it. And um, but I don't think I don't think we'd have signed him if they thought he hadn't. And uh, you know, I'm 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 just I'm just really pleased. Going on to Grealish, I think I think I've always said that I think he would he would play more centrally, and I think ideally as a number eight. But I think yeah, maybe you could push him up against a striker as well, and and, and play him as a as a ten, and um, you know, let him let him kind of run because. 
but like you say, it just depends whether you get the best out of him and how how easy he is there there to kind of neutralise really. Um, so we'll you know we'll, we'll we'll wait and see on that. But yeah, the the options we're starting to see now are frightening. Um, and I did see the picture today of of of, of Traore back in training, and I just thought. Yes, you know this. This this could be a big season for Trail Ray, as as we, I think we discussed uh, last week, Craig, as well. Um. We did, we did, and just on Trail Ray's pressing, um, I I will say I don't know if you saw uh, Ross Barkley <laughs> jogging around last season, <laughs> but um, you know we we were still quite effective without a hard pressing uh, 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 number ten for the first half of last season. But I do take the point, um, Trail Ray. You know, one thing we spoke about last week and we'll always speak about him is his defensive uh, application isn't the best. It has improved, credit where it's due, but still he probably has a little ways to go, um, uh, Bertrand Troy, before he can be labelled the new um, the new Claude Makalele. I, uh, I'd forgotten about Barclays pressing, so that's a good point well made. And uh, what I said about Ashley Young not having the legs, I will replace with Ross Barkley <laughs> not having the legs, certainly on the pressing <laughs> side of things. <laughs> Yeah, but um, he had the legs to get to <laughs> Weatherspoons after the, after the game. I tell you that. Allegedly, uh, well, Villa, allegedly, of course, yeah. kick off their pre-season this week um, with away games at Warsaw and Stoke, which apparently took about four minutes to sell out. <laughs> in each case, um, incredible um, appetite for for Aston Villa games um, from our fan base. Um, this season, you know, and uh, several players, you know, will be playing for their immediate Villa futures, or maybe looking at looking to attract interest for potential loans or transfers. We've spoken earlier about the interest that's reported in Conor Hurahan and Keenan Davis. Um, lots of interest from their Championship, um, but but who else um, do you think needs to needs to show something kind of leading into this the season to kind of give. Give Smith a bit more, perhaps a bit more confidence that that he can rely on them going forward. Well, I think two of the lads we've already spoken about for sure. Douglas Louise could use his preseason, but sadly he's not going to be there. Um, and who knows? We 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 may not see Douglas Louise before October, really, because uh, he's going to need some time off after playing, you know, non-stop since Project Restart, basically, without a break. Um, McGinn, as we've spoken about already, is also being given individual training to improve his PLAS completion, as recommended by <laughs> me on this podcast <laughs> some weeks ago. Um, but probably the the biggest preseason of all, I think, is going to be for Villa's former record signing and Brazilian international striker, Wesley Moreas. Uh, Wesley, according to my records, has only started one game of football since 2019 and we are now heading rapidly towards 2022 so that's uh, you know it's quite a sad thing to say but that's actually probably about 25 percent of his career that's gone that's disappeared into a large bend me shaped hole so um quite simply you know without trying to sound hyperbolic i think that wesley's whole top level football career is on the line here that we have lots of questions about him can his knee withstand the rigors of top level football can he psychologically move on from that horrendous injury? I think Dean Smith described it as, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but Dean Smith says something along the lines of that's the worst injury he's ever seen, you know, because it, it took all the ligaments out of his knee um, where normally it's one or two. And even without those issues, even when Wesley was 100% fit, 
lots of fans had questions as to whether or not Wesley was able to become that uh, Premier League number nine that we needed. I think some of the criticisms of him early on were a little bit harsh uh, because, you know, again, 22-year-old, new language, new league, new country, lots of expectation, record signing. That's a big, big burden to bear. Um, but we did see some glimpses from Wesley before his injury that he, maybe he could be that man, but the pressure's on now because he's he's playing for his, he's, he's actually playing for his future in more ways than one. Not just his Villa future, he's playing for his football future. And the stakes don't get much higher than that. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree that the answer for me, the first answer is Wesley, I think. And, and Craig made a really good point there. The poor lad, like what an impact on his career. And I think, I mean, it, it's a, a crucial juncture for him in his career but it's a crucial juncture for Villa too because without him we don't have a backup option for Ollie Watkins and I think we need to see what we've got and whether we need to go shop him for a replacement or whether he'll do um, my slightly more hipster answer though is Matty Cash who and hear me out here I think he had a phenomenal first season for all the reasons we didn't think he would he was stout defensively he was disciplined he didn't really venture forward that far forwards and, and that's the game that I think we all expected from him and I think this season Dino will be demanding a lot more from him going forwards especially if we played at 4-3-3 with Buendia on the right I mean Buendia is used to having Max Aarons behind him at Norwich a, a motor and full back who gets up and provides that whip so I think there's going to be a different challenge to Matty Cash this year and that's not to play the disciplined stay at home fullback to, to play the kind of rampaging overlapping fullback that that we kind of all saw in a Nottingham Forest shirt so I think it's he's a player I want to see a lot from this preseason I think there's going to be a lot of demands on him because I think Ashley Young is waiting there to be that attacking fullback if we need him to step into his shoes. Um, so I think it's it's a big a big preseason for Matt Cash. He's under no pressure, but I think we're going to get a chance to see a different side of his game, and I'm really excited to see that because he was wonderful defensively. If he can add those foraging runs forward, so I think it's going to be an exciting year for him. Yeah, I think we spoke we spoke a bit about Matt, Matt Cash last week on the on the podcast and sort of suggested that you know it, it, it was it is a big season because as, as 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 impressed as we all all were with him um you know there were perhaps one or two questions about his certainly his attacking play and and I think you bang on with that um and and of course Wesley has as as everything to play for doesn't he um and he's got nothing to lose has he really at, the, at this point um I think he he just needs to come and show show the best of, of him really he looks in incredible shape um the little i know about the male physique but he looks um he looks in he looks in great shape and he looks he looks happy as well you know yeah. seeing him in the training pictures and videos and so on um he looks happy and and i hope he's settling down and i hope he's feeling good and, and confident um with his injury and with his fitness i suppose the player i'd like to throw in there is is Courtney Hawes because um just never lets us down, does he? You know, comes in, replaces, you know, either Concer or Mings, players on either side. He's the perfect backup from that perspective. He could he I mean he could play at fullback as well, um, potentially. And obviously Tyro Mings, you know, is still still on, on his holiday after the Euros. Um I think he was with um, Gary Lineker's brother the other day, which was a bit weird. Um, but he's 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 you know he's he's on holiday, so so it's a chance for for Konza to play some some games in pre season and and you know and 
not necessarily stake a claim because Tyrone Mings is going to play, but but certainly, you know, add extra assurance um, for Dean Smith that he can he can absolutely rely on him. I have a feeling that Dean Smith feels like that anyway, though, and um, you know, I think I think Courtney Hawes is probably the most unlucky player in the squad because I think he's the improvements he's made since he's been at the club. He's obviously a very talented defender. You know, wonderful in the air, really, really good. He's a threat in both boxes, as we've talked about. And um, I think in in a lot of other sides, he'd be playing. He'd be he'd be the first choice. It's just that he's he's there with Mings, and obviously Konza has come to the fore as well. So, you know, big big summer for him as well. I think, um, right, but certainly the- one I want to see stay around. Oh yeah, yeah. He 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 is really really important, and um, he's also very quiet. I know he's 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 a singer, so maybe he's you know loud in person. But you never hear any problems about him. You never hear any rumblings. He's he's he comes in, he does his work. He he comes into the team. He does well. He he, he pops up with a goal. He will invariably win the headers, you know, from corners. Unfortunately, they bounce out for for, for goal kicks most of the time rather than goals, but. I really like Courtney Horse, and actually, that there are certain games where I would always play him. I would always play him against the likes of a Burnley. I would always play him against Newcastle, any kind of team, a, a, a Palace, although they might change now under under Vieira. Any kind of team that's going to pump long diagonals. That is meat and drink to Courtney Hawes. I think he's the best header of a, of a ball, uh, the strongest in the air out of anyone. I think he's even better than Mings, definitely better than Konza at that. And um, he gives you a great option if you switch to a back three for, for certain games. I think he also, let's not forget, he started out live uh, for Aston Villa as a left back. Uh, we haven't seen him in that position for a long, long, long time, but particularly um, you know in the games where you're going to be a bit under the cosh, as we saw... Um, as we saw towards the end of last season when Dean Smith used Konza as a right back, I think you could do the same thing with, uh, with, with, with Courtney Hawes and you can make it really, really difficult and really solid. Um, um, if you're going to be playing, I don't know, a Man City or, a, or, or, or a rejuvenate your Liverpool side perhaps, and they're going to be on top of you. I, I, I would back Courtney Hawes to be part of that, um, part of that system, but yeah, really solid squad player absolute bargain for for three million pounds and i think he is a little bit unlucky i think he probably starts for at least kind of 40 45 percent of the other premier league teams if he's there but um he does have big big england's big center half tyrone mings in front of him so it's a it's a one of those things for courtney Craig, could you say with you saying to select him for certain games it could be a case of horses for courses Oh dear! <laughs> <laughs> that's classic. Sorry, that, I couldn't resist it. It's just too good. But, no, but <laughs> while, while we're talking about defenders, I get a little bit annoyed with the Twanzebe stuff. People saying we should loan Twanzebe. No, we shouldn't. Why would we loan oh, Twanzebe? Choice, yeah. Before choice. Would you, why would Aston Villa, in the position we're in, loan a player from Man United who's going to be fourth choice? I'm not. Maybe you buy him if the if the if the price is right. But even then, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's developed. I mean, if we look back to the promotion campaign, if you look at where Courtney Hawes was and look where um, not Courtney Hawes, sorry, Esri Konza was, and look at where Twanzebe was. Twanzebe made a bad a bad choice in his career. He signed a new deal with Man United. He's been rotting for the last three years. 
Whereas Esri Konza in his position is now knocking on the England door. Ben White, another one, is about to get a fifty million billion pound move for for um for um you know to Arsenal. So, you know, Twanzebi's stock has dropped like a stone since he left Aston Villa. I think staying at the Man United was the wrong move. And I haven't seen anything from him to suggest that he should somehow be anywhere near Villa's first team. I don't know how yeah. you guys feel about that. I think it's a little bit of fantasy football going on from fans. You you naturally think we need another centre-back. There's that romantic link with the season where we came up. But I'm, I'm with you. He's a fourth-choice centre-back. Why are you spending that much or, or bringing him in? Why would he come to, to sit on our bench when he's been sitting on United's bench? I think we're much more likely to buy someone young and raw that we're going to turn into a fourth-choice centre-back or, or, you know, someone in the Nat Phillips mould at Liverpool who you can pick up for cheap, who can do a job if you throw him in, if we sign anyone at all. Um yeah, it's a bonkers rumour to me, and I think it's purely started by fans. I suppose it, it, it's a similar trajectory is taken to to Tammy Abraham, although obviously Abraham has had um, a fair bit bit of success at Chelsea since he left. So he wasn't it wasn't quite the same. He did have a he was a going concern at Chelsea. He was going to be the you know the number nine and the first choice um, at least while Frank Lampard was there. So. Um, but he finds himself now in a position where, you know, we've talked about how Thomas Tuchel has essentially destroyed his his international career, um, and he's now, you know, what's he doing? He, he, you know, he's running on at the end of the Champions League final in his kit celebrating when he wasn't even named amongst the substitutes. There were two two goalkeepers on the bench, you know. So the John Terry it's, it's, special that is. I was going to yeah. say doing the John Terry. He's learnt well. But 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 this is it, and you know it can't be comfortable for him. Um, and now he's almost you know being touted around as kind of a make weight or a a way of them um, bolstering their transfer kitty so they can go and get Erling Haaland. You know, which is uh, it must be difficult for him. You know, and and maybe two years ago Villa would have. I mean, Villa would have absolutely. You know. No questions asked. They would have signed him if he'd have shown any inclination to want to. And you know, sometimes what it, what the immediate decision um, or the best immediate decision um, seems to be isn't isn't necessarily the long term. Uh, if you're listening, Jack. Well, yeah. Well, Tammy Tammy's a great example. I mean, obviously, you are right. You know. Tammy has at least had a bit of a career since, you know, that that fateful day of lifting the playoff trophy and, and he was first choice for Chelsea. Did very well, by the way. Was their top goal scorer last season, I think, um, uh, up until the very end of the season, even though he hadn't played. So, uh, you know, but so a little bit harsh on uh, Tammy to compare him to Twanzebe, uh, who has done literally nothing since leaving Aston Villa. But I will say for, for Tammy, no one seems to want him, mm. which is frightening. Or at least no one wants him at the, the 40 million. I mean, the, the rumour yeah. was it was going to be West Ham, but they said 40 million, no way. Um, Villa, according to both uh, Ashley Priest, uh, the male, and, and Greg Evans at The Athletic, are not interested in, in, in bringing him in at all. So from there, where, where do you go? Um, you know, tough choices for, for, for Tammy Abraham. And, um, and, and I mean, I would still welcome him back, but it seems as though... It seems as though Aston Villa would not, and obviously uh, they make the decisions in Dean we trust. And of course there are, you know, just one one last point on Tammy is that I think 
Watkins has, has, has completely usurped him in terms of um, the Premier League and in terms of England now. Watkins yeah. is, is the England striker. You know, I'm sure he'll be in the next England squad in September. Um, and we're looking at now the, the season with Watkins playing um, in front of uh, hopefully Jack Grealish, Emmy Buendia, Bertrand Traore, maybe someone else coming in as well in that in that number 10 position. You know, and he must be licking his lips. He must be, because he'll be absolutely flying. He's banging form. Um, he, he's got the slight disappointment of not being in the England squad for the Euros, but he wouldn't have probably expected that anyway. That was a bonus. Um, so, yeah, I, I was a huge advocate to bring Tammy Abraham back. I'm just not so sure now. I'm really not. And um, for me to, to, to sort of step down from that, kind of pro- probably says it all and credit Ollie Watkins he's, he's won me over <laughs> not that it took much um, <laughs> but yeah I mean f- finally I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll touch on uh, we'll lighten things up a little bit and touch on the on the new home kit have you seen the new home kit um, guys you seen it what do you think I've seen it seen it I, I wasn't wasn't too sure if I was looking at the new home kit or last year's home kit is kind of how I feel about it. Slightly wider pinstripes, is it? Is that the difference this year? More of a stripe, but it's all, but it's not a connected stripe, if you know what I mean. It's, yeah, yeah. I'd, Dull I'd, as dishwater. Yeah. I mean, come I'm a on. little bit meh about it. it. It's not exactly exciting me. I, I kind of... I'm not rushing out to buy it. I might enter the competition on the under a gas um, Twitter feed, but uh, I'm not exactly going out and spending my money on it. When, when I was a, when I was a young boy, we had that iconic Muller shirt with the claret, the the thick claret and the thin blue stripes, and we had the 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 away shirt made. Fa- I, I always relate to John Fashionu for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> the, you know the green the green one that Luke Roper did shirt. a take on, and and. And then we had that uh, that stripy in probably ninety nine two thousand maybe that stripy one the other stripy one that Merson wore in the cup final the uh, had the thick the equidistant uh, yeah. claret and blue stripes and it seems like now we just it's the same kit every year if you if you if you look if you look if you don't look at it closely you say oh well they haven't changed the kit at all so a little bit disappointed I, I would like to see us you know do something a little bit different but I'm not necessarily a, a kit connoisseur in the same way that others are but. Um, to me, it's much of a muchness, and it's not something I'll be tripping over myself to to to, to buy. Yeah, I think we're not to get all businessy, but I think our contracts up with Kappa next year, and honestly, it can't come soon enough. I, I, I look forward to whoever sponsors Jack Grealish sponsoring our shirt next season, and and uh, having a, a way better kit. Although I, I will say that I'm keeping my powder dry for for the away kit or a third kit, whatever comes out that might be slightly more interesting. Yeah, I think they. They have to. I mean, the, in terms of the the kits, generally the home shirts sell the best, don't they? Um, every year, and then it's just about you know doing something a bit special with the other with the other kits to get the sales up. I mean, they, they talk about the you know doing doing things differently. Of course, Luke did something different and absolutely smashed it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are a lot of Villa fans didn't like that because it didn't have blue sleeves, and you sort of think, well. It's okay to try something different every now and again, and um, you know sometimes those iconic kits are the ones that do do just alter things, but in a in a classy way. And, and certainly Luke Luke did that. 
um, with their designs. They were all good, great, you know, really, really good designs. Um, and then it just comes down to, 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 to personal choice. But I tend to agree. Um, this isn't a home shirt that I'm be, I'll be rushing out to buy and I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see what the what the others are like, but I already know that. Um, well, at the moment, uh, it's going to be Ashley Young number eighteen on the back Ooh, of my shirt. So, uh, so welcoming back, welcome the hero home. Um, but that's that's all we've got time for today, guys. So thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. It's been uh, been good to get back to Villa matters after uh, certainly after last week and um, and a, a rather negative England type podcast, really. Um, you know which uh, which which I hope you still enjoyed, but thanks for thanks for listening this week. And remember that if you um, go over to manscaped.com, uh, you can get all your Manscaped products um, by using the code LAMP. That's L A M P with twenty percent discount and free worldwide shipping. Um, so go over there and, and and have a look, and you'll be helping the podcast as well. Um, so thank thank thanks in advance for that and. Uh, Whatever you're doing this week, we'll be back next week with some more small stuff. Maybe a new signing. You never know. And um, and and looking back on the uh, these these friendly games that we're having this week. But have a good week and up the villa.